Hello, this is another preview. This is our part seven of Unions and the Mob Reputation vs. Reality, or our fifth movie time episode, where we talk about the movie Hoffa, which was directed by Danny DeVito in, I believe, 1992. And then we also talk about The Irishman, which it's on Netflix. You could check it out. It's super long. But uh, either way, if you would like to hear our full, you know, discussion on this, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It is what allows us to do the show as an entirely listener-supported program. And if you can't afford to do that, jump in the Discord, message one of the admins, and we can hook you up with our Patreon feed. With that, I'm going to give you this little preview, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, although I the, I can't give him credit for that because like that whole situation is a completely invented device. Like, oh really? The scene. hunting permit that never happened. It's my that favorite. Me- oh, I thought you meant the writing things down. I don't care if they oh. made up the hunting permit situation. Oh That's yeah, fine. no, the not writing things down was absolutely a key thing for Hoffa. But I just mean that whole thing. It's like, oh, they nabbed him because he yeah, he yeah. wrote his plan down on the back of a hunting permit. I'm like that didn't happen. That's fake. He, he leans <laughs> yeah. over to his lawyer or whatever and says, ah, oh, I can't believe he kept it that long. But really, actually, just talking about the hunting scene. I want to go to that because it was my favorite scene in the whole movie. So, so to, to to give some background for folks, so that mm-hmm. they, if you've listened to the history but haven't seen the movie, essentially the scene that Lena's about to talk about is basically, you know, we've explained in the past on the in the history series about the way that uh, Hoffa used the central state's pension fund to give loans to the mob and take kickbacks and make money off of it that way for himself. And so this scene is basically a it's it's the funny thing is it's actually a mashup of like Hoffa's real life arrangement with the mob with like a fictionalized version of an actual major mob meeting that did happen in real life but had nothing to do with Jimmy Hoffa that happened in upstate New York around this same time period where there was like a big mob like get together to divide up territory. So the movie kind of mashes those things up where Hoffa invites his mob associates to a a hunting trip where they're not Mm. really there to hunt. They're there to basically lay out how they're going to do all their rackets and schemes. Right. So this is kind of like your friend's cool older brother telling you stories in a room with a bunch of glow light posters on the walls version of events where like a lot of historical shit may have happened, but (laughs) it didn't happen together, but it's in there anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But just to kind of, because this, this is also really emblematic of the silliness of this movie. Because they're just walking, <laughs> they're walking through the woods. They're talking about this deal. They're like, "Oh, do you have a piece of paper or whatever?" And then you know they pull the hunting license out because it's clipped to the back of the hunters, everybody's shirts, so that they're legally hunting, you know, or whatever. And they start writing it down. And they're having this discussion about the numbers. And there's this com- the it, the camera goes to one actor, and then it goes to the other, and they're having this conversation. And suddenly the camera flashes to a deer, it's like, and then it like first you're like wait a deer okay whatever and then it flashes to Danny DeVito's character and it flashes back to the conversation and then it flashes back to the deer as if the deer is part of the conversation just like listening in and hanging out it really the deer is I, 
secretly it's secretly an FBI spy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that because like it 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 really drove home how single-minded Hoffa was and everything that like obviously they weren't there to hunt. Like the guy who was the yeah. least prepared for hunting shot the fucking thing. Exactly. <laughs> well, and he shot it with a pistol. He shot like five <laughs> times with a pistol. Just like yeah. <laughs> He did a well, he did a hit on a deer. <laughs> I also think though the the thing that makes that part is not even to, for me anyway how it's mm -hmm. happening in the moment because part of it for me that whole scene i can't help being distracted by how obviously on a set they are oh yeah like, sure it, like because they cut from the video of their planes landing like the little like little seaplanes on a little on a like what's supposed to be one of the great lakes i assume mm -hmm. um and then it cuts to them in the woods and there's just this amorphous like orange colored background that is supposed to be like i guess the sky through the trees but for i don't know to me i'm like this makes it so obvious that it's like the true the forest in quotes that they're in ends about five feet behind them yeah <laughs> oh well, yeah there's a bunch of green but, screen in this but film. but what i think really makes that story the scene where danny devito just fucking shoots the deer with his pistol is the next scene where it cuts to Hoffa telling the story mm -hmm. and being like so excited to talk about it and then like embellishing it a little bit and you know punching it up and I'm like because that really cements I think the character there yeah well and and uh, it, the contrast that that provides to what was happening literally a moment before the cut where like everybody realizes what's happened and as soon as they've established that he just shot a deer it's not a half a second that Hoffa is immediately back to hashing out details. Yeah. Like he's unfazed by it. He doesn't care. But then later when he's had time to think about it, he's like, Oh, I can use this. This will be a fun right. story. I can get social currency out of this. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I just love that scene. There's actually speaking of like that kind of like background thing. There are so many bad nineties transitions, so many fades, <laughs> yes. close-ups on it. people's faces. There <laughs> was it. one there was one transition that I thought was really good, and it's where these two characters are like talking. They're like leaned in, facing each other, and then the camera pans up like through them up to. The, I think it was like an auditorium. I'm trying to remember the scene now. Now that I, I wish I would have written written it down, but there was one kind of weird 90s transition that i was like wow that was actually a pretty good transition the rest of them cheesy as fuck <laughs> um speaking of cheesy as fuck i gotta talk about the portrayal of robert kennedy in this <laughs> because they clearly they, when they did the casting for this they're like Okay, we got to have RFK in this. Get somebody who who looks kind of like RFK mm -hmm. if we put him in a ridiculous wig <laughs> and can kind of do the accent. And then they're like, "Oh, well should they be a good actor too?" That doesn't matter. No. <laughs> we we just need them to look like him and kind of sound like him. After that, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the the only important characteristics of this character in this movie are is that he's a little weenie and a huge rat. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> uh -huh. Absolutely. I really felt like this is uh like a really naive college age person yeah. who suddenly has a lot of power to see that portrayal uh 
across from John C. Riley's unbelievably <laughs> yeah. good acting and that very mm-hmm. limited role he was given just really lets you know the diversity of talent on display in this <laughs> Yeah, because like John, John C. Riley is playing again a fake character who's basically supposed to be a stand-in for somebody like Ed Parton, who mm-hmm. is you know, a, a rat in, in, in the trial. Uh, although, I mean, is ratting out somebody who was fucking over the Teamsters, so that I don't really care. But um, but anyway, more importantly, he again, like you said, he has like maybe ten minutes of screen time, and I'm probably being generous with that. Mm-hmm. And he just puts everything into it. Like he's great. But yeah, every time RFK's on on this this the screen, and he's just like. Now, Mr. And he's getting all flustered. Now, Mr. Mr. Hoffa, I meant to say Mr. Goldblatt, and and really, and and it's, and because the thing is, I've watched the scene that he's did the the real life actual scene that he's yeah. talking about because that's one of the the parts of the movie that is clearly just taken right from the transcript because it's one of the more dramatic parts of the McClellan Committee testimony. And while I get what they're going for with like they. If you were going to give him credit and not just say that the guy's not a very good actor, which is my interpretation of it, it would be that it's like he is playing not RFK, but Hoffa's mental image of RFK. Basically, yeah. his impression of him as a, a useless, weenie, millionaire son who never had to work a day in his life and is just going up there and like living all off of his father's legacy and his money and has no idea what he's doing. And whereas like in real life, it's like that w- it's a very different scene. Like JFK, like RFK is not as nearly as flustered as he is. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm like over being overly critical about this, but it's we like Stan RFK. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just like, it's a very, very different vibe because it's like, I, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching the version of the McClellan committee hearings that like Hoffa would then tell people about. In later right. years, yeah. like, right. I just ran circles around this kid. He didn't even know what he was doing. I well, made him look like an idiot. I love, I kind of, I liked it because I feel like the whole movie is just, like, undeniably from Hoffa's perspective. Yeah. And I, I think that's what's fun about it is when you watch it, you kind of get to be that egomaniac and yeah. ride the roller coaster ride a little bit, which, like, the Irishman is a wild ride, but it's, you aren't the main character as the viewer, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that that scene that you're referring to actually is worth it because I don't know if we did we really reference it ever in this series or previous to this oh. where where Hoffa is defending how he's definitely not a communist. <laughs> no, because that wasn't because it's like that was their like allegations of corruption relating to communism, and I'm like that's not corruption. I don't care. So yeah. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't feel that part was important. But yeah, it's where he's basically. Because that's the the very the the specific part of that testimony that's like gets really famous is 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 the whole like I'm not a communist and I've never even been tagged as a communist yeah. because the, they'll be like now Mr. Bridges and Mr. Goldblatt there's no question and he's like they've been tagged sir tagged and yeah. so that's like the whole big sequence that is like that I that's don't e- really drawing from I, I don't even know what a hammer or a sickle is I only know <laughs> yeah. truck and road. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think it's funny that like in that and in, in real life, RFK was like, well, I guess maybe Harry Bridges isn't a communist. There might be some <laughs> question. I'm like, now, you know, years later, I'm like, no, everybody knew he was a communist. Every, even back then, <laughs> like, he was relatively open about it. But yeah, the, and the whole thing where 
Hoffa's using the indignation about like red baiting and he's just pumping it up to mm-hmm. like 10 to, to try and get one over on RFK. Like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> yeah, well, it was, uh, there were, I also noticed in this whole movie, a lot of characters repeating themselves for mm-hmm. emphasis. They'd say something and they'd, they'd say it again, like 10% like stronger and i i just wonder like was that just more common back then or is it just like kind of um kind of a high school theater production trick we're seeing on the silver screen (laughs) like are you talking about like the where people would would almost stutter and like like because it felt some like almost like an unnatural way of trying to put natural dialogue into the movie yeah, yeah, it was a little, it was a little janky. There were, there was some stuttering, especially with RFK. But I mean, more like Hoffa himself and uh, Danny DeVito's character when they would like give a speech or they'd be like trying to really, um, you know, say something emphatically to somebody. They'd say it and then they'd say it again with their eyes okay, a little wider. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, I mean, my dad does that, but is that just an <laughs> older thing or is my dad just a hack? I would believe either. So- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. The other scene that I thought was kind of funny was when Hoffa is on his way to jail yes. and yeah. he's driving <laughs> down the road and all of the workers are on the side of the road cheering <laughs> him on. Like, yeah, that definitely that, never happened. There yeah, is no way that that could have ever happened. Of all the things that didn't happen, that <laughs> didn't happen the most. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so, but it is, that scene is, that is pure David Mamet. That scene, like every movie he makes has a scene that's somewhat like, because it's it's the, it's the, that is this movie's version of the scene where somebody makes an impassioned speech and then we get the, yeah. The slow clap with the like mean mug and then everybody <laughs> erupts and goes nuts. That like this scene is this movie's well, version of that. David Mamet only- setting down his pen at the end of a page and just saying, and then everybody clapped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not only how ridiculous the scene is, it's also the background music because there's straight up this inspirational symphonic piece that's going in the back as if they had just overcome the yeah. the most like uh, difficult situation. Like this is the climax of the of the time where everybody is celebrating the victory of the person who's persevered and it's actually just Hoffa going to jail. Yeah. Now that's what I call Steven Sondheim, nineteen ninety six. <laughs> when did this movie come out? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker, white Bronco. Queens in this bitch. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Black yeah, the yeah. You already know me, yo. Get my motherfucking truck, six ladies. Yeah. Yo. I caught a DUI coming out the Trey Songz concert. Shit was bonkers. Bronson slammed like Giannis. Mega Wellness had him unconscious. Don't drink gin and tonic, only natural wine, to be honest. And chick plastic like fake rice from China. Staring in the mirror like I hate my vagina. Just did my first scene with De Niro. Just did my first scene with Scorsese. The Beamer go 480 with no old ladies. Fuck out here, bitch, you know, baby. He's more shady. Faces like some old babies. Uh, Me, I'm 
stone cold crazy and there's no maybes Shit, I was hashed in the 80s And 600 Mercedes with Dior shades on New York made me Strong like Japanese sword blade Two Tesla coils under the ball fade Fucking with me, that be the wrong thing I'm butt naked with the Uzi on Broadway My hair cutters like Dominican folk art Use the G-Wagon like a go-kart Bitch, I got a cold heart Hot-blooded, short-tempered Get you splashed like water, not expensive Brown bags filled with drugs sat beside the benches Any club in the world can't deny me entrance Pussy, none. you know it's me, bitch Me, Queens White Bronco